0: This episode of the Cinema Sideshow Podcast has been pre-recorded.
1: Mmm, means he felt we'd be occurring it up for our Australian heritage on Australia Day. Please
0: enjoy the show. (laughs) How's it going guys? I'm Z. And I'm Jay, And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast episode 54. That's the one. Happy Australia, Jay. Jay. Happy Australia, Jay. Jake. Whoa, no, what, happy are we, Australia are we smoking?
1: Is that what's going on? Yeah. Maybe. Nah. Uh, well, no, nah, that's the thing. You know what I've been doing recently? I've been wearing socks with my like the fonts or flips. That's like or what whatever.
0: an 80-year-old man does.
1: Yeah, well, I've clearly become that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, or watching no. this high art
0: film I film know. house
1: stuff. Absolutely. Like The
0: film we're gonna talk about later on. Whoa. Um,
1: well it is it is Australia Day, like weekend. Let's say yes. that uh, to be safe. Yes, <laughs> to it's not in, it's, stir it's the week
0: for Australia Day. Yes. Um, Effective and it's thing. very hot. It's very very hot. Oh God, I'm just going to assume. <laughs> well, it's
1: not hot for you right now. <laughs>
0: no. Technically,
1: you're yeah. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> might be very cold where you are. Right. As now, of actually. the
0: recording time, it's very hot. Right. Right. Um, which we will not disclose. Yeah, but um, how are you, Jake? Secret, secret. Just cruising. Yeah, I'm chill, man. I'm yeah, chill. it's like, really can... chill. Like, uh, been, we've been all the way from uni for so long now. We're on the verge of graduation.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Getting up <laughs> there on see. that stage. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find um, out.
0: Might as well just jump into our pre-show segment right now. Yeah, um,
1: so, uh, obviously, in these little archival recordings, we're replacing our usual contemporary whatever we've been watching with, with a fun little game. We've had some fun ones in the last few weeks. But yeah,
0: like... Uh, can't remember <laughs> which one. We,
1: <laughs> well, we Wes Anderson. We did the Wes Anderson quote. Um, I think the big one was obviously the the chalk Top Awards. Yes, we
0: had our, our f- turned one. We've we've passed turning one. We're we're no, all I mature know. now. We're moving into our second year quite comfortably. Yeah. So
1: would you call would you call our season two starter if you will at episode fifty six when you're back. What would you
0: nah, call it before then? Nah, it's episode Yeah. It's like
1: We're in season two now, would you Yeah, say?
0: it's we're like we're like a show. We went into we had a pilot season, but then we had a few episodes in season two just in case they wanted us to be like <laughs> here you go. I'm pretty sure shows have done that before. I imagine have sitcoms they? would have done that. Like sitcoms. I guess would be they really guess if easy. they're cheap enough, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'd be I, I think season two starts at episode Fifty three.
1: Hmm, I can see that.
0: Um, and that's then, a good start for apocalypse yeah. now. Then, yeah, yeah. So I think, one. um, from that point onwards. But it will be good to be back and doing live recordings again.
1: Hmm. Well, not too far now. No, not too far. Thankfully. Well, the that that, that episode you're back is actually the day we graduate.
0: I, we should come in here and do it. Before our graduation. As
1: we graduate. Yeah. With our like gowns and everything. I don't know
0: about you, but I'm getting turned that night. So now know it's a Monday, but I'm just gonna go for it. No,
1: oh, there's no way we're still out in this room by then. <laughs>
0: February. Have a day drink. I uh, end up stumbling on the stage. Anyway. Oh, that's great. Let's do no, it. That's um, cool. Yeah, it. like like you said, we've done a couple of we do pre uh movie of the week activities to kind of fill a bit of the space up. So um,
1: not each episode's twenty minutes long. Yeah,
0: ex- <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a huge deal because we're always doing a film of the week, which is always the big part of the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think everything else is more a build-up and a payoff. Uh,
1: oh, oh, look at you and your script yeah. writing. But obviously, with
0: it being Australia Day, I proposed that we would highlight some of our favourite Australian films before we get into mm-hmm. another Australian film. I think film. that's a
1: very good idea, Zeke.
0: Yeah, especially with the context of the film of the week being such a really direct and... An, analyzing of the Australia of old and the, uh, you know, climate between uh, pre and post-colonial viewing, as you, as you will.
1: Look at the big brain Ziki Um, boy over here. Although
0: (laughs) if you don't mind, I'll kick us off with my third favorite film. Has nothing to do with any of that stuff. Now I watched this film two to three years ago for the first time. Um, I'm not a big horror person. And most people know me it's, for
1: it's not gonna be Babadook. <coughs> no It's it not <laughs> it is not
0: Babadook. It's Wolf Creek.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: I haven't seen it. And Wolf Creek's one of those films that after watching it, I think it's and it would be I would love to do a week for it in the future. Right. Um, because of uh, just the cultural significance of that film. At the time, I mean, we don't have too many Australian horror films, or at least like ones that break that far into the mainstream. Mm. Most people uh, who are outside of Australia, foreign like foreigners, um, they kind of that's one of the few films I've noted mainstream audiences seeing. At right, some point, that's how which is a terrible film for them to see, because <laughs> it's the perception of Australia is oh, because the, the film's about a bunch of tourists coming to Australia and going out into the middle of the desert to go exploring, and they're slow, they've taken prisoner by a psychotic man that lives out in the
1: desert, which that happens a lot though.
0: I'm... Happens to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the, the the reasons I like the film is is actually because it has that sort of element of realism to it. Like, it okay. feels like something that could actually happen. Particularly in the time frame of where Wolf Creek was uh, was based. And it's uh, like
1: 2005 when that came out?
0: No. No? It was later uh, than that? It, it would have been like... I think it's like... Really? Oh, crap. It was 2005.
1: Oh, look at me. With the, the big brown That's really Jake.
0: funny. It, it, not a culturally, <laughs> uh, like, not a critically acclaimed film, but I really enjoyed it. A cult film, for sure. Definitely. Um, Budget of $1.38 million. Um, It's pretty big over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the what you'll find with a lot of Australian films is a lot of them are funded, uh, are set in, particularly the ones in the desert, they're set in Western Australia but they're funded by South Australian or New South Wales film bodies. Right, yeah. And there's a lot of issues with the screen body in WA um, that we've discovered over our own careers, even just by (laughs) third parties, but more just understanding... Yeah, mutual friends and understanding how limited funding is for any film outside of certain demographic. Mm. And even then... To get that money is even, like, absurd. And, of course,
1: with, now we have our arts thing combined with, like, the transport budget <laughs> whatever yeah whatever happened not that long ago. Jesus it,
0: Christ. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the film, I think, because of the realism and the slasher horror, Like, it was an interesting take on something that could absolutely happen out in the middle of the desert because fact of the matter is it's, like... It's a scary place, and mm. I love the idea about the serial killer being one of the previous hosts of Play School.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah, that's awesome.
0: The, the The slasher dude he used to, he used to host Play School. <laughs> so, which if <laughs> I don't sentence. know if America or any international audiences have Play School, we have Play School's have play It's school. a child show. It's like it's like a thing for very uh, young children. I, I
1: wouldn't call it a a child show, Zeke. I'm I'm just. No. Show yeah, show target it. All right, over <laughs> to you, buddy. Jeez. All right. Well, I haven't had. Okay, I'm gonna read. I'm read a list. I don't have a list, but like, I'm gonna name these off the top of my head, with the idea that I just kind of. Oh crap. Okay. Uh, these, these, these. So I didn't. So I didn't really think about these too strongly.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a a mull over like our films of the decade yeah, discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So if you ask me again tomorrow, I might have a different answer for you, but. Um, I do want to throw a couple of things out, like rabbit proof fence and stuff like that. Uh, Last Train of Freer, which are films I did grow up and be like, oh, this is really cool Australian cinema. Um, I guess I'm gonna have to put number three with Animal Kingdom, which banger. we did a few months ago. Such a banger. So, so yeah, good. no, I just I I really I really liked it. I thought it was like, yeah, this is this is a film. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Obviously, they made the show. Was my after. number two. So oh,
0: that's no surprise. So. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was one of the few Australian films that got an Oscar nod. Yeah, so, with Jackie
1: Weaver got a best supporting nod. Yeah,
0: and I think the screenplay got a bump oh, wow. too. Um,
1: I'm sure it did Game Busters at the, the Australian oh, Awards yeah. or whichever. And
0: even BAFTA, I'm pretty sure it had a oh, good sweet. run through BAFTA. That makes sense, that makes sense. So, really good film. We talked about it on episode
1: 44. E- yeah, 44 yeah, 44, I think you're right. Yeah,
0: so Sweet. it was good conversation. Go check that episode out. Yeah, bada-bing, bada-boom. Um, if you haven't, if you're unaware of the film, but yeah, really good film.
1: Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that Like, it has that restrained Australiana feel to it, which I always gave you shit for using that word, but that actually is a real word, so I'll oh, yeah. stop giving you shit about it, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it was when you started saying Australiana. I was like, "Wait, what? What's going on?" Is it is it just cuz I say
0: I seem like I make you, up you, words. it
1: seems like you make up words a lot. But <laughs> me and Jack looked this up like we were sitting at a bar, we were trying to like out you and we kept being like, "Oh, those are real words." <laughs> I just know words. Oh, you just know words apparently. Um y- yeah, my my favorite phrase of yours is uh school of thought. It's in that same same school of thought as blank but huh. uh no but to go back to, to animal kingdom i'm kind of it's australiana but it's not like uh it's like unlike the film that we're going to talk about later in the show it's a little more restrained it's a little more like contemporary and suburban I think
0: contemporary is the real way of targeting that film it, and it doesn't feel like it has nearly as much uh exaggerated sort of soap opera tropes like mm. the underbelly series has. Okay, um, you know I've never seen Sepratic. underbelly like, properly. Yeah, I mean they and they're mini series and they or they're like those telly movies which in Australia particularly in modern uh the modern times telly movies have become huge in Australia. Mm. Cinema. Um and they're really weird because it's like some of them really do feel like films at points, and it's like, oh, why didn't you just put this in the... I think some of them do actually get very small cinema It must runs. be budgeted
1: constraints, yeah. that kind of thing.
0: Um, particularly the excess one was really good, but that's because I have bias towards excess. If I, if I was talking about it from a critical point of view, it probably right, wouldn't yeah. be that
1: good. Um, but, yeah. Um, it's even got further into Animal Kingdom. Like, It's clearly a big inspiration for some of the stuff you've wanted to make. Absolutely. Not long ago, so... Yeah,
0: it's got like a really cool eeriness to it, Mm. but it's not like eerie for the sake of eerie.
1: Yeah, it naturally
0: leads you into an eerie mindset.
1: Like, like I could see the inspirations there, but like even the stuff that you've talked to me about feels way more noir than this film is. Yeah, and I kind of like that. I kind of like this film's a little more restricted from that noir sense as well. It's a sort of, it's eerie, but the suburbanness of it is still quite. Yeah, it it feels like an actual film, film.
0: That's my number two too. Right.
1: Well you want me to just do my number two yeah, then? Because you you, you're well. not gonna have a lot to say about the Bubba Duck. No Which is uh definitely one of my favourite Australian films. That's always in my top three no matter what they ask me on. Uh because I studied it in high school. Mm-hmm. Like it had just come out. We were just doing Jennifer Kent. We did a short Monster which came out several years prior to that and obviously helped to fund her with this film. And we did uh The Nightingale earlier this year. Episode thirty four. Uh I think thirty six.
0: Oh I was in the zone.
1: In the zone. No, no. I think I think it chapter two. You was know in the really the world. really Ooh. funny
0: is that thirties block mm. is the block that I remember the least about. Yeah. I don't. I remember like yeah, I the films so. we did in that block, but I don't remember the order in which we did those.
1: I so. think. I guess we were starting second semester. our Heads were kind of blurry. I suppose. Yeah. It was a bit more random because like we did the Matrix, but we still went to a theater to watch the Matrix and do it that week.
0: Yeah, so did once Upon a like Time, that. And we did like right,
1: yeah, yeah. Pulp fiction right before that, and then and the Lion King was twenties.
0: Yeah, it was Fight Club in there. And Fight Club was, was
1: in it. Yeah, so it was a bit. Of, you're right. It was a bit of a, a weird year. Like we kept going back to nineties and stuff like that a lot. So. Mm-hmm. No, but it was interesting. Um, I mean, I really like the Nightingale. I think the third act really, really drags in the third act, and it kind of brings mm-hmm. the whole film down, in my opinion. Uh, while the Babadook, I feel like. As her first film, as Jennifer Kent's first film, it just has, it goes back to the tone of it. It's, it is eerie. It is really fucking creepy, but it's, I think the script's very clever as well. And I remember there was a lot of buzz. I think a lot of people wanted to be nominated for best director. And because of some, again, it goes back to the teller movie crap because the film technically first showcased on TV before it's theatrical run. It wasn't eligible for an Oscar. Shocking. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Such bullshit, because that film could have done fucking really well. I mean, it probably still
0: got awards, oh, just definitely, not the awards. Yeah,
1: just not at, at the Academy, but like other places. It's certainly got its recognition. Was, it, and, was it, it, was the
0: actor? Was it actor? Don't quote me, I don't know the Australian one.
1: Yeah, there was an acronym that I literally just read out this morning trying to make fun of. Mm. It. it was like A-T-A-A-A-A-A, whatever.
0: I think it is a- actor.
1: I'm just going to look up Australian Academy. <laughs> we should know this, though. We probably should know uh, this by now, but... Got to be nominated for something for me to know it. <laughs> <laughs> fair call. Fair call. Um, okay. No, but it definitely got some big bangers there. But, I, I mean, I, lo- I love Babadook. I'll well, know. my number one. Okay.
0: Um, and this film is the one that still to this day, I think was the one that blew me the way the most and made me really proud to be an Australian filmmaker. And mm. it's one that gets talked about a lot. And I remember... Disconnected. You are 100% correct, sir. <laughs> um, directed by Jake Diagrella. Oh. Um, no, it's... That should
1: uh... be not number one. <laughs> uh, continue,
0: please. Um, it is... Um, it's Hounds of Love.
1: Oh, shit!
0: And How did
1: I forget about that?
0: And that obviously is the Perth-based film uh, that actually was funded by Screenwise and was uh, awesome. It was directed by Ben Young, mm. who... a boy, Ben. Uh, Well, every every young person <laughs> thinks it's their boy, Ben, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I say my boy, Quinton, all the time. And I know he's gone on to make a couple of uh, very film. mediocre Netflix films, but that first film, I've watched that, I think, three or four times in the last two years, and I've just been like... Really blown away by it. It's creepy. It's eerie. It's a cl- like it's a classic. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a. Cl- like it's a relatively classic thriller trope. I mean, someone being held hostage and then escaping uh, from the clutches. But there's some more. I think complexity the is what really sells yeah, this film. Yeah, well, there's some really good cinematography in there too. Oh, Real yeah, like, gorgeous. I love that slow mo, uh, shallow depth of field, like strutting as the two. Uh, uh, killers right? Well, well, and it them- pays
1: off as well that shot in particular and that focal I love that they I just love it.
0: it I love that and I love the eeriness of it Um, great film and really happy I own it on Blu-ray to be mm. honest um, I own it too and Ha-ha. It's, it's great to see like something more local to Perth <laughs> Uh,
1: yeah exactly that film's very local yeah like we recognise streets all the time watching that film well
0: it's shot like 10 minutes down the road So it's like, to have that sort of, and to have the cast that it had, like, which was a relatively well-known Australian cast, at least, like, that was great. And it would...
1: Well, they're great in the film, that's the thing.
0: Yeah, they're perfect. So that would be my favourite Australian film.
1: Now that, because that is, shamefully, the one I kind of forgot. I was like, oh my god, hands of love. I probably would put that ahead of Animal Kingdom in my Mm -hmm. list, just because I think it, it in terms of the tone, in terms of the, the direction and the camera work and everything, I think it's just so excellent. It's tight,
0: but, too. Yeah. It's like yeah, everything it's, in there needs to be there.
1: And I actually have a funny, a couple of funny stories about Hounds I Love that I'll mention now because mm-hmm. that film technically got me my first job. Okay. Not, not on set. <laughs> okay. It got me my job at Domino's as a driver several years ago. Really? Yeah. So I'll quickly explain because what happened... I was just out of high school and I had a gap year for those who who don't know. So I kind of, that was my, like the world is my oyster moment, which I I guess I'm kind of on the cusp of entering again outside of uni. But in that time, you know, I was a lost little puppy boy. I didn't know what I was doing. And I knew I wanted to do film Mm -hmm. because I'd done it in school. And this was after my bubble obsession stuff. And so I just started looking on Facebook groups. And I was like, oh, and then that's when I found the audition. Well, not audition, but like it was a casting call for the extras, that would go on to being Hands of Love. And I think it was for like some of the school kids in mm-hmm. the earlier scenes and stuff like that. So I just sent them my details, like my like my weight and my height and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, why not? Let's see what happened. And this triggered me to open up my email, which is something I hadn't done in years. I never checked my email. And the day after that, I got an email from Domino's saying that I got a job interview. And that's how I got the job there. Because I swear my life, I never checked my email prior to that. Now, to be fair, they might have called me. They might just call my number, like if I didn't respond mm-hmm. to the email. But I still like to. Oh, I could have
0: seen you in one of those net bill outfits at the start of the film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why not, man? I could, I could, fit in that. Actually, I found out my weight is like really weird. Like my my weight versus like my hip weight and stuff like that. Like it was just really disproportionate to what it should be. I was mm. like, I'm a fat man. <laughs> but oh, um, go on, mate. But that, and also when I was working on that backlot um, factual video. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting up with Ian Hale once, and they were doing, I think they were editing or doing the color correction for uh, Slam. I think that was the film they were working on. And as we we're walking up the stairs, this dude kind of walked past and he waved his like, hi, And I'm like, oh, and then Ian's like, oh, yeah, that's um, Michael McDormand who did uh, the cinematography for Hounds of Love. And I just turned around, and be like, "What?" <laughs> Should like,
0: ran up to him yeah, and just shook yeah, his hand. Should
1: have. And... I didn't. I didn't get a chance to speak to him, unfortunately. But um, that was a cool little moment that of was like, pretty "Oh shit, hi!" Like we're in the same room. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so those are my little hounds of love stories. Specifically, so number one. Yeah. Poof. Fair enough. It's a pretty high bar. Yeah. No. It's it's. Excellent. There are made. some real
0: gems out there, real Australian like mm. gems, like some great comedies. Like I'd give shout outs to like The Castle, right? I still haven't yeah. seen The Castle, yeah. so like oh, real. There's some really good ones out there.
1: Well, speaking of comedies, this might be my abnormal number one, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it might have to be Muriel's Wedding. I That's really fair. still haven't fucking seen it. Love that movie; it's so good. And here's the thing, it's probably the least Australian of the films, other than like their accents. Mm-hmm. And this is you know 1994. So it would have been shot on film and it kind of has that classic sort of feel to it. But mm-hmm. it is such a great coming of age story for this girl, Muru, who's a, a brilliant character as it is. And the film's very unashamedly like Sydney and Gold Coast and that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, it's, I don't if know, I, don't I, think I it's I a better choice. It, I mean, the, the fact that Muru's like, it's my number one list just because out of those films in the collection, it is my favourite of those films, not necessarily because of its Australianism to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and like I said, ask me in a different day, I might give you a different answer. But I love that film to I death. mean, it's
0: like things that I haven't revisited in a long time. Like, I mm. really like the castle, I really like Strictly Ballroom, I uh, love okay. Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, so
1: I haven't seen any of the Mad Maxes, so that's might be why none of them are. Yeah, on not my be fair of the original Mad Max, no, really, Mr. Gibson, you not like him, <laughs> no, not, not for me. <laughs> fair well, enough. fair enough.
0: Uh, On that note, Jake, would you like to move into our film of the week?
1: Yes, let's jump into it. This week, we are watching Sweet Country. I'm Harry March. He's taken over North Creek Station. I need to fix up my trap yard.
0: I was wondering if you could help me. Where'd you get your black stock from? Oh, no. We're all equal here. all equal in the eyes of the Lord. An Aboriginal man from the Northern Territory goes on a run after he kills a white man in self-defense. This film was directed by Warwick Th- Thornton, beg my pardon, mm. and came out in 2018. So it's a pretty contemporary. Doesn't get more contemporary than that. Yeah, it's probably the most
1: recent film we're doing in this like collection of films. Came
0: out the day before Australia Day too, so I really oh there you go can't get much more Australia Day than this film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's this... a good pick. Well, this is your pick. Yeah. Because yeah, I was I, going through the lists and I saw Sweet Country and I was like, that's kind of a random pick. And then you're like, dude, because look at the date. And I was like, that makes sense. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Jake. Mm. That's me. You, what's the verdict? Um, So I actually watched this quite a while ago mm-hmm. in prep for, for these shows we're doing now. So it's probably been a, a while.
0: A good time to um, ferment your opinion on the film.
1: Yeah. Well, definitely like a good month to see like how much I remember of it. Like a fine whiskey. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, from what I remember, this film, it's very gorgeous. Like it's gorgeously shot. Mm-hmm. It's very. It's got a very methodical pace, which I like about it. Yes. It's quite a. Uh, it throws punches, but like it, it very much is very deliberate when it throws punches in certain scenes and what it does. Um, I just remember it being very, very competent and very good. Not huge. Like, I can't remember very many in particular scenes. Mm-hmm. I remember a few moments which we can get into when we do our highlight scenes. But I, I had a good time with it. Yeah. And I remember just being like, wow, this is really well kind of shot and well paced. I just knocked my laptop. And what I found interesting is that uh, so what was his name again? Warwick Thornton?
0: Yeah, Warwick Thornton.
1: Right, Warwick. Uh, so he directed it and shot it. So that made a lot of sense to me. That's pretty amazing. So it's kind of a Roma situation where yeah, he did the DOP work and, of course, directed it. Had a
0: really good eye for it.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Just some of the angles in there are like, this is gorgeous. And it doesn't feel like a, a tourist sort of showcase like some other Australian films. Actor
0: awards. That's what it is. That's the Australian um, one. I
1: knew it was actor. There you go. Um, well, we got there.
0: <laughs> we did get there. Uh, screenplay was by David Tranter and Stephen McGregor. Um can't say I've recognised any of their previous writings. Mm. I find it interesting that someone directed and shot it, but didn't write it.
1: Hmm, um, that's a good point. Um, because uh, maybe he's like close friends with the writer. Yeah. Well, he when he did um, Samson and Delia, he also directed and shot that film too. So it must so be. So he's a... kind of used to doing that combo of shooting and directing, mm. which I can understand. Yeah. That's a real. That's a director who wants real control of the camera. So, I can understand that kind of commitment to it.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I had a a very positive reaction to this film. This film is very critically acclaimed. Uh, Mm. It's artistic, sharp, and it's, uh, like you said, methodical pace Mm. is uh, one of its highlights. It doesn't... uh, What I like about this film is it really emphasises the land, and the landscape mm. of Australia in uh, 1929, apparently, which goes to show, if you really think about that, I mean, you you look at, like, Americanized films or anything from Western cinema, mm. and any depiction of 1929 in America especially, uh, you know, it focuses more on, well, that's the end of the Roaring Twenties and the start of the Great Depression, so a lot of right, the yeah. landscape is very... Built up, still very industrial, mm. that time frame. Whereas this is set in the Northern Territory of Australia, which for the most part is desert. <laughs> it's very deserty, um, And has gorgeous landscapes, but they are far apart. And I like the emphasis on travel in this film, much like I did in Nightingale.
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of comparisons with Nightingale too.
0: Takes a long time for people to get from A to B, which is a good thing. Because it shows really how hostile the landscape of Australia is. Yeah. Well, it's, a,
1: it's part of the threat, you know. Yeah. For both for both sides of the party, if you will.
0: Yeah, and I really I really appreciate films that emphasise that because one thing that you need like for it to be the nineteen thirties, and I think in Nightingale it was the eighteen forties. Yeah, I think Ni-
1: Nightingale takes it even further back. Um,
0: yeah. That was in actually. Tasman- I
1: wrote it down. I think it was. Yeah, uh, Nightingale is, I think, 1825. Okay, so, yeah. So that's North about 40 That's
0: forty or so years after first settlement. Mm. And thankfully in uh, Tasmania, that's not far away from when... That's not far from Sydney Cove. So it's not... A lot of the colonisation on the east coast was done relatively soon. Um, Swan River Colony was the last one in like, 1823 or something around that time.
1: You're way more bad Australian history than I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, it's a my of history. Fair um enough. but
0: yeah, Northern Territory was still very much it's it's pretty much in the name, it's the Northern Territory. It's mm. the it's kind of the last frontier and you very much there's an emphasis on sort of primordial nature in this film. Right, yeah. Particularly with the conflict between, you know, the post-colonial the white man and Aboriginal depiction um which this film I think I don't know about you, but I found this hmm. film to be more direct than Nightingale with its commentary, like its social commentary, okay. but also more effective.
1: More than effective Ni- than Nightingale? I think so. Whew.
0: I think I enjoyed this film more, which is tricky. I mm. mean, like, I both
1: hold
0: high esteem probably for both. right? Both sit anywhere between, like, a 7 to 8 out of 10, but, like, I think... With this film, I enjoy the look in particular. I think Nightingale focuses more on the uh, the, the feminist uh, patriarchy, like that sort right, of patriarchy, yeah. rather than the well, Aboriginal you're just, you're side. You're getting
1: that feminine perspective just because of the female protagonist and its emphasis on like on the rape and all these other things. Oh, yeah, it's, so it's, 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 it's more much, focused
0: on that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a more layered set of threats. And I think in that have to film, with.
0: although there is an Aboriginal. Uh, lead. Like a tracker, yeah. Um, and they do have definitely a lot of stuff in there that's really good. This film obviously has an Aboriginal lead character. So there's just that more time to work out the demo. I don't know about you if you enjoyed The Nightingale more than you enjoyed. I they're think. Contrasting landscapes and everything, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I kind of I love that they actually have very distinct looks, even though mm. they're sort of similar in a lot of ways. I did Because like I said, I did write some comparisons about it and I think the the main takeaway I took is that this film is more binary in mm-hmm. very much you have your indigenous Australians versus your European settlers while only Nightingale was a bit more, there was a bit more of a fluidity to it because she was also like part Irish and it was also a bit of that yeah, I mean, sort of dissected.
0: Now that you say that, yeah, I definitely think Jennifer Kent, I feel like she approached it with more layers in yeah, intricacy definitely. and that doesn't necessarily make it a better film it can it can walk the line of being quite clouded i don't right. think it is in nightingale but i think films that try and take on too many minority issues there are certain films out there that get clouded in there then their, their, their non-binariness <laughs> yeah um, exactly because they're trying to showcase every There's minority too many themes running. being subjugated by post-colonial like, you know, post colonialization, right. but this film is very much like there's a white sympathizer, there's a man who's bound by his duty, but he's also, you know, low key right. racist. Um, there's an you know a outright racist party, and then there's the persecuted minority. Right. And that demographic. Um, it
1: feels much more, ma- <clears throat> excuse me, more like a cat and mouse game yeah. in this film than it does in Nightingale, for example.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there are parts of this film that I really enjoy. Um, I don't really, like, have too much to add plot-wise. It's a very... It, well, it's things... based on a
1: true story, isn't it?
0: Um, I'm not 100% sure, but if you're I believe saying... I recall
1: it being... So I'm sure it's like it was on the DVD box art or whatever okay. it was. Did I borrow this? No, I think I rented it. I think I rented this a while back. You did?
0: But I mean the your yeah. the biggest positives that I can draw from this film uh, are it's it's visual go- it's gorgeous mm, it's it a is, gorgeous yep. film whereas Nightingale is quite gr- gritty um, even I think there feels like particularly in the town sequences it does feel stylized to an ex like okay, definitely like the, the saturation set. the saturation of color is crazy mm-hmm. in these films compared to Nightingale where it's like a grim colour palette. Right, yeah. They like, yeah, get a lot of browns and greens, whereas in this one, it's very vivid orange. They really wanted to showcase desert. Yeah, the desert vivid.
1: landscape to kind of showcase that. Yeah. That um part of it. Yeah, I can appreciate that.
0: And I really love that plot device of uh, the sort of the silent cuts between uh, like sort of a, it feels like, we're cutting from our linear timeline to a sequence that's related to the, the scene but expresses a perspective of a character. Okay. A, a, it's like a plot device. For example, when the, the chief comes into uh, the tavern and mm. sees the barmaid and it cuts to them being in bed together.
1: Right, right, right. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I've actually found some of the editing, editing a little jarring, to be honest, and it might have been because he didn't of enjoy story. that. I I don't think I minded it,
0: but it's an interesting. It's a it's a, it's ambitious, and f- for that I like it. And right. I actually like the style of being like, this is that relationship between these two characters without saying anything. Or well, this is what that person's thinking at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a sequence with uh, the main dude. I'm just going to quickly get his name up.
1: Well, it's interesting because re- I'm reading these notes now and like I don't want to feel artificial. It just it has been a while since I've seen this film. Mm-hmm. And I did write this specifically. I didn't think the, the visual cutaways where there's no audio kind of binding mm-hmm. the two, I didn't think it worked very effectively. And okay. the fact that I had to read that to remind myself that that was my thought process means I didn't even remember that that was a part of the film. Oh, interesting. So I, I guess I so just didn't find it all too effective. Yeah. Divisive opinion on the Cinema Massage mm. podcast. Oh, Spicy. who has opinions? <laughs> well, do you have anything else you'd like to add, Jake? Um, before we get into like more spoilery stuff or... Spoilery. Oh. Um, I, I I like the deaths in this film. There are a few, a fair few deaths before we get into mm. specific ones. But I think they're really well directed. And again, like the, the way the sound is done and the yeah. the close-ups of like the bodies and the blood running mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I thought that was all really cool. I was yeah. like, wow, this is really engaging. I really like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, to, to go into our Western talk or the, the the yellow landscapes, there's actually a term for this kind of Australian outback sort of Western. It's called a meat pie Western. Yeah. Which I didn't know until I was just... That. I was like, oh. that
0: just makes you want to have a meat pie. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Nah, um, all right. Well, I think I'm, I don't know. We could talk a bit about the ending, rather.
0: Oh, okay. So, Hmm. this is like, because the, the, okay, so we're going to jump into spoilers. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to spoil too much of the plot. Essentially, you hit the nail on the head. It's a cat and mouse game. Yeah. Um, It's kind of
1: like that for most of it.
0: It's very, it's very similar to Nightingale in that sense. It's. Mm. Cat and Mouse, except it's the reverse. It's the classic. Authority is chasing Aboriginal fugitive, whereas in Nightingale, right, it's... Right, it's the other way around. They're chasing
1: the the authoritarians.
0: Yeah. Um, so, um Well,
1: the Cat yeah. and Mouse game kind of ends way earlier in the plot than I would have thought. It's the tip of the second act, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, from memory in Nightingale, it kind of comes towards the very end. It's like the last 20 minutes when you would call the Cat and Mouse game, like,
0: concluded. I mean, it, At the end of the day, I think the for it comes back to like you look at a three act structure. I think Mm -hmm. when they when he's captured, that's obviously the low points. That's right at the tip of the end, Yeah, tip, second and third. And in Nightingale, I think her low point comes where
1: there was a couple. There was a couple like uh,
0: that would be a tougher one to pinpoint. I say this is a very. Direct film, I think. There's yeah, it's a very focused in plot. Like this film would be a really good example of if you wanted to showcase a three act structure, because there are quarter actions, inciting incidents, like you know, midpoints, low points. It's really binary is the perfect word to talk yeah. about this film.
1: Kind of formulaic, formulaic in that way. Yeah, which is fine because it's well made, it's well shot, and everything. But um... and
0: I don't think it's boring. Like I yeah quite comfortably watched this film
1: definitely holds up i like the stuff with the court case in the third act i thought was actually quite engaging Mm -hmm. just because there was a bit of a twist to it in terms of the the unimportance of it in a lot of ways there's a lot of people just screwing around i mean it's almost by definition a kangaroo court almost yeah but the kangaroos are are real and they're probably hanging out behind the building i don't know it's probably a good expression but um (laughs) yeah so essentially
0: what happens is uh our lead character, who I'm just going to quickly get his name. I, think it's,
1: I want to say Billy, but that's the Nightingale, dude. <laughs> I think we've
0: we watched a lot of Australian films in the yeah. last couple of. Uh, I love that expression though, meat pie western. That's that's it. It's that's Sam Kelly. So Sam's on trial, right? Right. And, Sam Kelly. Yep. Um, essentially um, due to. Uh
1: well he uh, killed he he killed in self defense.
0: Yeah, he killed in self defense and yeah. uh, was eventually let go.
1: Did he ever learn about the rape of his wife? I don't think he ever learns it. Or No, that's She's very vague about it. Yeah. I do yeah. recall that. Because she's she's sort of not used to this whole like the, the jury or the or the, the judge rather, mm-hmm. and he's kinda of quilling into her, being like, Hey, you need to tell me when she just would not slip up. Yeah. And it's, it, it goes beyond the fear of the guy that did it because he's long dead at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's a more internal worry about people ever finding out that, that she had that happen to her.
0: And she's pregnant, if not mistaken. Uh, or if she's, you know, I don't
1: recall that. I feel but like that's a be.
0: dialogue exchange. Man. Um, there's a lot of ambu- ambiguity. Oh, more. you
1: know what? I do recall there is some sort of pregnancy yeah. sort of plot um, line. But essentially,
0: at the end of all this, Sam's let go, and it feels like uh, all is all is well.
1: <laughs> with the world. They're
0: literally riding off into, I want to say the sunset, but it's the middle of the desert and it's the middle of the day, so it's very broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and they have time to shoot Riding sunset. off
0: with Fred Smith, who's played by Sam Neill, who, if we weren't picking a highlight scene, is a highlight actor. <laughs> I mean, duh. Sam Neill. It's um, my boy, Sam. And he gets shot. He gets sniped by... Uh, I don't think it's the chief. I think it's... Uh, is it the chief or is it... Um, I don't I I think, don't think we his ever henchman.
1: found out who shot him.
0: I think it's implied that the chief who has nearly died searching for this man who right, got okay. go... That could make ...has sense. ordered someone to kill him. And it leads to Sam's death. And he sort of... Almost like a Kennedy-esque scene, like oh,
1: you know what? I'm pretty sure I thought the exact same thing watching it.
0: Yeah, because he's spelled out. Yeah, wow. Wife crying, yeah, over so him. Yeah, Fred Smith's driving the cart, not knowing what's happened, and that is so true. So
1: that must yeah. have surely been like an intentional, definitely sort an of influence key.
0: like a like a visual cue, like for me to attribute that instantly to a Kennedy-esque assassination, almost like. And especially yeah. given what Kennedy stood for in America, I mean, for standing, yeah, you know, he was the one who was putting forward all those notions of African American and black equality in America. The ending feels, well, in in you know, in that sort of school of thought.
1: <laughs> uh, well, if but another comparison made to that ending was Easy Rider. Yeah, so also a very similar. How Easy Rider exactly. ends, but
0: exactly, I think they're definitely direct influences. There you go. uh, Do you want to move into highlight scenes? Yeah, let's do it. No worries. Well, I have to say my my highlights. Highlight actor. (laughs) Highlight actor Sam Neill. He's great. (laughs) Um, I really like that scene that leads to uh, well the instigating incident of of Sam trying to back off the Uh, frontiersman. Okay. That leads to I think his name's. I want to say his
1: name's Harry. I think you're right. Harry or. or I think it is Harry. Oh, uh, it was Harry, the guy, the the dude who gets killed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds right. Um, he is such Harry a prick. Yeah, he's a prick. He's <laughs> such a um, prick.
0: But that whole sequence is really tense, and like because they're talking to each other, mm-hmm. about and there's a lot of communication, and it feels very real. It no one died out of nowhere, and I really enjoyed that sequence, and I enjoyed the the court case at the end, and the ending is yeah, really yeah. good. The ending's like.
1: It's a very, oh, moment. Yeah. I always know. Every time I watch a film now, it's always like the one little spark of excitement I always miss. My eye's are always somewhere away from the screen every time it happens, and it's really annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure it happened in this one as well, when, when he gets shot at the very end of the film. I'm oh. like, wait, what? No! But, the... uh, I could uh, rewind in this modern day of, uh, of DVDs and whatnot. Yes. But uh, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, the scene where they're watching the story of the Kelly gang. I thought it was a clever little nod to it being a, yeah. you know, the a first feature ever. And it's Australia's. We own that. So I thought that was a cool little... Shout out to the set dressing. The set dressing was awesome. Mm. Really loved oh, yeah. the set dressing. Everything, the shots and the costumes and the, the mise-en-scene is all awesome.
0: That looks like a shot on a red. right? You reckon it's a red? Yeah,
1: probably. It's probably what we have over here. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> my, um, my highlight scene, rather... Is actually very early in the film. I think even earlier than what you were mentioning mm-hmm. is right before the scene when I believe it's Harry and he, he, goes to rape the wife, but what he does, what the camera does is when he comes into the house and there's a lot of seemingly natural, it's probably not natural light. It's probably like a lot of artificial mm-hmm. lights around, maybe even a set, probably not, mm-hmm. but there's all this light coming through the doors and the windows. And he just very, and again, to the methodical pace of this film, slowly closing the doors and closing the windows and all the light disappears and it becomes like incredibly dark, and then you that's when you know shit's about to go down. Yeah, in a that not was a so great scary.
0: It's good tense building, so yeah, yeah.
1: That I mean, I'm pretty sure it's only one shot the mm. way it tracks and pans around him and stuff. Like, I was like, this is excellent, yeah. So that kind of carried me for the rest of the film, of like, yeah, this is very impressive in a lot of those,
0: yeah. A lot a of good, those
1: ways. I think
0: we've yeah. pretty much nailed, nailed it on the head with this film, it's a good watch. Absolutely, would recommend it. Great Australian. Well, it's probably not the great Australian. I wouldn't view this film on Australia Day, but you should <laughs> watch it if you're an Australian. Exactly, or well, you so, want to so, learn about a bit of Australia's darker history.
1: There you go. It's a, it's a good watch to go in before February. Yes, and then listen to our podcast on it. Absolutely. <laughs> We've no already done well, now.
0: Sweet Country is currently out in DVDs, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure about
1: streaming services. I just checked Stan and Netflix. To Stan, and neither have the film. But again, you're right. Wide release DVD and Blu-ray. It's quite easy to purchase. I've learned. Absolutely, you go. No worries.
0: So check it out. Cool. All right. What's have you checked by chance? I do have predicted new cinema releases. Yeah.
1: So once again, because of the recording times, uh, disclaimer: this may not be a thousand percent accurate. There actually was one film in here that is already out by now. That came out way earlier than I realized. I had to take it out. It Mm -hmm. was the um, the John Cena. The Fire, whatever. Wow, that came out real early. That was in this list, and it wasn't very recently. I was like, oh, I should probably get rid of it off this list because it's not accurate anymore. Uh, the three films I've written down that come out in the next week are The Grudge. I'm guessing it's like a remake. Sounds grudge. Sounds bad. Well, the trailer had so many hints of a good horror and a bad horror. Like, there were so many of those typical jump scare traits, mm-hmm. but the actual like visual and sound editing was like... Ooh, this, this feels like watching the trailer for us or something mm. Where it's like really cleverly done and it's very eerie could be a marketing ploy yeah they could have they might know how to do the trailers now mm-hmm. that lead you into the crappy actual films uh and two other films on here are midway and the peanut butter falcon which i don't know much about either to be honest
0: sounds intriguing well uh, we'll find out what those films are like, if we ever end up catching any of them. Mm. I don't think I want to catch the peanut butter falcon. But...
1: <laughs> well, I heard... Um, I was actually talking to Jesse not long ago, and I believe by the time you're hearing this podcast, he would have already seen like an earlier outdoor screening of it. So that would be <laughs> earlier in January. By the time you listen to this podcast, it would be irrelevant because the film, I believe, would be out in a much wider release.
0: No dramas. But, well, yeah. thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast.
1: Mm. Well, should we announce what we're doing Next, next week. week on the show That's so bad <laughs> This is Has the a... second time You've done it now in, in the history of the show It's harder It's, like, it's harder
0: It's harder with these Pre-records too to Like remember the show structure Because it changes Yeah it's a little, it's a little different now I'm Set in my ways
1: <laughs> No worries Well
0: Jake sorry What are we watching Next week That's on the show That's right.
1: Next week we're watching And I'll just put it out there One of my favourite films Of all time For a director's corner Her Mr Theodore Twombly Welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Oof, nice. Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hi, I'm Samantha. Theodore Twombly, an introverted writer, buys an artificial intelligence system to help him write. However, amazed by the AI's ability to learn and adapt, he falls in love with it. AI sex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, this film's great.
0: Spike Jones. Is this our whole
1: episode right now? (laughs) No. um,
0: No, I'm really keen for this. Uh, I'm really keen to talk about this in a a detailed discussion.
1: Mm. Uh, It's a director's corner. That's it, 55, so... And... This might be the first time ever, with the exception of directors who've only done one film, that we've done the latest film in their filmography. Yeah. Usually we do tend to do the first or second film. Mm-hmm. In the case of Fincher, I think we did... Well, we did Fight Club. That would have been his second or third film. Yeah. Um. In this case, it is his most recent film. Yeah, but it's so, also
0: the film that's probably most widely oh, known definitely. by him. definitely. So we'll be talking about her next week on the cinema side show, thank you for joining us. I was Zeke. I was Jay, and we'll catch you next week with her.